Hey, this is Joe Bakmutsky and welcome to Simplify Cancer Podcast. Today I'm talking to Justin, who found a great way to document and share his journey in a way that it's not only helped him, but is now helping so many others by promoting cancer awareness through his blog, through his articles, through other podcasts. So look, whether you keep your own diary, or maybe it's a blog, or maybe you want to use email or social media, whatever way that works for you, documenting and sharing your story is a fantastic way to transform these tough times when you're dealing with cancer, to share your experience in such a powerful way so that you can really refocus and recenter your life around something positive, something that drives you onwards and upwards. Justin, I want to start with with your life before cancer. What was that like? So that was a really good year, 2016. Prior to getting diagnosed, I had applied and been accepted to the Google Innovator Academy. So I got to fly out to the Google headquarters in California for a couple of days. I got engaged. Uh, we bought a new a house in a different area of Virginia. I quit my job and found one that was more aligned to um, my educational beliefs. We've got a puppy. Every everything was great. I was very active. You know, I wasn't as in shape as I would have liked to, but I, I had some physical fitness ability, and just it was it was a good year, really, up until I got diagnosed. Yeah, right. It's pretty crazy. Like, so what was coming through your mind, I guess, when you first found out you had you had cancer? So I I've discovered a lump in the shower when I was uh, just doing a my monthly self-exam. And I was like, well, I feel like a hard lump. I haven't felt this before. And so I was a little baffled. And like I said, we had just moved to a different area of Virginia. And so I didn't even have a doctor at the time. So I had to locate a doctor. And then basically the first time I was meeting this doctor, asked her to grab my balls, um, which is, <laughs> is always, you know, I don't normally even kiss on the first date. So that was, that was jumping through a couple steps right there. And so it was, I just kept wanting answers. They just kept bumped uh, from that doctor. They bumped me to a urologist and then they bumped me, or I mean, to an ultrasound and then to a urologist. And I just wanted answers. Um, so when they finally told me that I had cancer, it's going to sound weird, but it was almost a relief because I had answers. And then it all hit me. I was like, holy crap, I'm 20, 25 and I have cancer. Like what, what do I do next? Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a big shock. And uh, you said it was almost a relief. Um, how, how did you know what was going on? You know, I, I basically just asked my urologist what's the next steps and that my urologist was incredible throughout the whole thing he's like you're going to need surgery and quickly so i never really had time to react or really question i just i just you know had to launch into the action steps of things so that's basically i just asked the questions what's the next step what's the next step and that's how i figured out what was going on yeah well i mean i know with you're with cancer i went to the zone where I, I knew that people around me were saying something and I knew the words, but I really couldn't take it all in, you know? Like it was just, uh, it was just so hard to, um, to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was hard to try to figure out what I was doing and then how to give the, tell other people the same information. So eventually it was like, you know, when, when there's stuff to tell you, I will tell you. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And and Justin, do you feel that as a man, you're expected to react to cancer in a certain way? 
So, yeah, that, that's a lot of what I do now on the survivorship of things is, um, you know, have kind of a steady resolve. Like, oh, I'm going to get through this. It was it was kind of hard to be emotional about it. Um, my grandfather had cancer and he passed away from it a couple of years ago. And he never really talked about his battle with cancer. So, you know, you always see in the media, uh, like female celebrities talking about their different forms of cancer and so on and so forth. But you don't necessarily see a lot of people talking unless they're, you know, older men uh, talking about, you know, prostate cancer or something to that effect. Um, so I felt at first that it was something like, mm, you know, I'm just I'm just going to go through this, kind of keep it to myself. Um, but then that obviously changed as we're talking here about cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like on the practical side of things, you you you, you have a lot of um, stuff to juggle when when you have cancer. You've got work, you've got people you care about, and then you kind of running around for tests and 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 you go in treatment. So this everyday reality of cancer, how did it work out for you? So with testicular cancer, it's highly curable, but it's very aggressive. So you have to move very, very quickly. And at my job as an elementary school teacher, I basically told my principal, listen, you know, I'm suspecting that I have some sort of lump. And he's like, you know, you go get this taken care of. I literally got my ultrasound in the middle of during my planning period during school. I left for, you know, 45 minutes. They wanted my balls and then I went back to school. I wish I would have had a shower in between those because that was not fun <laughs> fun teaching for the rest of the day. And then when I did get diagnosed and I said I needed surgery, that was great. I never had to worry about that. And, you know, my or my fiance wife now, she was great at, you know, like we were just talking about updating people. And so it was, I just had a really good support team. I was very fortunate that, you know, as I was gearing up to go to chemo and I needed my port placed and I needed to get some other random blood work done, my principal would say, hey, you can come in, you know, an hour late or leave an hour early or whatever. Just try to conserve a lot of my sick leave when I, and then eventually when I did go into the active treatment side of stage, I just, I was on medical leave for three months, um, so I didn't have to worry about work at that point. Yeah, that's fantastic when you've got work that's supporting you so much through it. So, and, um, you know, I, I guess that cancer can be pretty hard to take emotionally and mentally. It certainly was for me because I guess, like, you know, nothing is for certain anymore. Like, everything is up in the air. You make all these plans and you don't really know how things are going to turn out. So, how did that affect you? So, I've been notorious for keeping my emotions in for all of my life and probably even including now. I'm getting a little better. Um, so... <laughs> Not as much as it should be at 26. Uh, but so it was definitely affecting me. And so what I did to try to help relieve that and not bottle it up, because I already, already felt myself starting to get a little angsty or what have you. I started just writing down what was happening. And it was more of like a record just for myself and then also as a way to get that out. Um, so it was definitely affecting me. But with every because to be perfectly honest, from surgery to starting chemo was exactly one month. Um, so I really didn't have a lot of time to let anything affect me at the time. A lot of the emotional came afterwards, after active treatment. Um, so that was kind of a blessing that everything moved so quickly. Um, but writing is really how I got through a lot of the emotional stuff throughout. So when you say writing, did you did you have a diary? It was just a, just a, a Google Doc that I wrote, just everything from the day I found the lump up until, you know, present day. And I still continue to write, but now it's a more public forum. 
So did you, what did you do with that diary? Did you, is it still there or did you put it up all in, on your blog? It's all up in my blog now. It was, it wasn't even called a ballsy sense of tumor at first. It was, it was actually just called the Cancer Chronicles, which then I adapted it into Chemo Chronicles for part of my series. But yeah, the first, all, so there's a couple different uh, labels on my blog, but the first about 15 posts or so were the original journal, if you will, of the Cancer Chronicles. And so then I eventually stopped writing on that, and then I still write drafts in Google, and then I publish them on the web. I think that's such a fantastic uh, advice, Justin, that you, you you found a way to deal with your emotions through writing, because it's something that isn't really obvious to most people. And I, I think I read that about in one of your articles as well. So in terms of your emotions as well, you mentioned that it kind of hit you a little bit later down the line. So how, how did that work out? Yeah, so I finished my active treatment in January of 2017, and then they said I was in remission of March, and things were trucking along just fine. And then around sometime in the summer, I noticed that I just was feeling down a lot and angry, and for no apparent reason, because for all intents and purposes, I didn't have cancer anymore. I should be pretty happy, um, but I wasn't. And then finally took me until December, just a couple months ago, to really admit, like, hey, something's definitely well off here. So I went, I talked to my oncologist and I was like, you know, I had suffered through depression in high school. And so I already was familiar with what that feels like and what to look for. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of the same things. I need help. And so he prescribed me some antidepressants. And after tweaking the doses for a while, you know, that's been hugely helpful. But that was, that was the big thing that I noticed is, I forget what the one quote I said once, it's like, treating cancer was hard physically, surviving cancer is hard emotionally. And that's that's what I noticed is the survivorship of stage, while it's physically easy, and I've gotten back into shape, and my hair's regrown, and all the side effects associated with chemo, they're all gone. But the mental scars are still there. And so that's what a lot of, when I'm not just writing about testicular health and men talking about their balls that's the other thing i really advocate for is uh, mental health absolutely so why do you think that that happens why did you think that you know like like you described you had chemo everything you know the cancer's gone everything's supposed to turn out well and yet you still you know felt this uh, downward slide emotionally why does it happen so in my opinion i'm not a doctor but what i think it is is everything moves so quickly like i said it was a month from surgery to chemo and then it was three months straight of chemo and then i was suddenly thrust back into the real world and i never took the time to process and all of a sudden you know the rubber, a rubber band can only stretch so far before it's going to snap and i think it just all came to a head and i think not necessarily you know i still had my writing and everything but really you know there's i had writing i had exercise but there is something that just changes within you and you know you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help and that's just what i noticed Absolutely. And speaking of asking for help, how did your family and your friends, how did they react? And, and did they support you in the way that you wanted to be supported? So in all but one case, and I'll get into that one case a little bit more, everybody was super, super supportive. I could not have said anything. My my mom, who lives in Pennsylvania, which is a couple hours away from where I live, she, as soon as I said I was going to need surgery, she was like, I'll drop everything and come take care of you. And then she ended up, she took extended leave from work 
to come take care of me while I was going through chemo so my wife could go uh, work. So we still had some sort of income coming in. So everybody was super supportive. My friends were all more than great. I did have one friend who, when I had to pull back some of my uh, projects that I'd been working on prior to cancer, I pulled back and for rightfully so because I had to focus on my health. And then I decided to start all my awareness efforts. And she she took that as a personal attack that I didn't want to work with her, whereas I had a, a change in what I, th- uh, what I saw as important. So her direct quote one night, she said she felt that I was pulling back from her friendship. And she said, I thought her friendship was stronger than you getting cancer. And <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I stopped talking to her at that point. I emailed her a month or two later. and I was like, you know, that wasn't okay to say, you know, because we're not friends now to this day. But it's it was just interesting that random people on the Internet that I'd never met were more supportive than someone who had claimed to be my best friend. Yeah, wow, that's that, that's rough, man. So uh, another thing I want to ask you is, you know, I guess we talked about, you know, the fact that you now speak so much about men's health and the mental health. So what, I mean, I'm sure you spent a lot of time thinking about all of this stuff and trying to digest it all. So Justin, what do you think that is different about men facing cancer? Like, do do we look at things in a different way? Do we process things differently? Yeah, I think... I know with me and the men who are I'm close to in my life, we're very solution oriented. We want to know what we're what what. Here's the problem. Here's how we fix it. We fix it. What's the next step? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or what's the next problem? More accurately, half the time, which is a pragmatic approach is great sometimes, but it's also terrible at sometimes because you do need to take care of the emotional side along with the physical side. And then I think on top of that, men just don't talk about their health as much as they should. Um, I'm running a research study right now on men and going to the doctor and testicular exams. And most guys who I've asked about are great. And they say that they're more than happy to participate in this study and the survey. And they ask me questions when I ask them, you know, does does the doctor talk to you about how to do a self-exam? And they're like, no, but I want to know how. And then, you know, I'll interview like a group of guys and one out of nowhere will be like, no, I don't want to participate. I'll be like, okay, I mean, it's like reverse peer pressure. Like as a teacher, I should say, don't use peer pressure, but I'm totally trying to get this guy peer pressured into (laughs) talking about it. But it's just kind of insanity to me how guys won't like you, you would rather not have embarrassment just to avoid talking about something that, you know, is very, for all intents and purposes, yeah, maybe it's a little embarrassing, but could save your life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, what about your partner? How did she take it all? She took it very well. She was a great caregiver. Uh, like I said, my mom and her were kind of a caregiving team. One of them would kind of take care of the house and the pets and all the assorted, assorted things, and the other one would take care of me. So she did a very good job. She, um, she really put on a strong front throughout the whole process. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do, do you think that she's had the support that she wanted from, from people around her? I think so. Um, she had friends who would check in on her to you know check in on me, but also just check in on her. And her work was very good about if she needed to leave a little bit early to you know take care of me. I, I think a lot of times with cancer treatment, so focused on the patient, but I do think that her support system did a very good job of focusing on her as well. Yeah, that's great. You know, Justin, I went to deposit some sperm away for safekeeping before starting my chemo. 
And that was a really bizarre experience. Like, it felt like no one thought this thing through from the perspective of the person who was actually going through it. Like, <laughs> you know, there was no sound isolation. Like, I could hear these two people talking in the corridor. There was a few of these, uh, a few DVDs in there. It was just like, but it was just awful. Like, it was oh, yeah. the worst attempt at porn I have ever seen. You know, there was nothing to be inspired by. <laughs> I was like, oh, I came prepared. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did that go for you yeah um so i had to do my deposit if you will about seven days after surgery and that was not fun like you said there there was like this gross couch <laughs> lounge chair in there and i was like i'm not sitting on that because i don't even know and um yeah it was it was not a pleasant experience. I'm glad I only had to do one deposit because I, I do not think I would have gone back for another had they been like, yeah, something's wrong here. <laughs> Justin, that story is worth an, at least one blog post. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I, I wrote a little bit about that. That should be something I should revisit another time because when I wrote that blog post, I was like, nope, I'm, I'm not going to get into this too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful memory just i was reading about the time your hair started falling out during chemo and um and that actually triggered the memory for me um when i was doing chemo where it all started was actually my my pubic hair i mean my <laughs> pubic hair of all places that was like a slap on the face you know yeah it's it's interesting because they had shaved my pubic hair area for the surgery i just thought it was not not growing back and then i was like oh it's just there's nothing there anymore it actually started falling out in my armpits first and then my beard and then my hair um so i never had to worry about it falling out from my pubic hair because there was nothing there (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting i never really thought about that i did like for my procedure yeah they did they didn't shave it so i guess yeah different uh places do it differently so could you please talk about your blog I mean, how did it all start and why is it important to you? Yeah, so I kind of what I was talking about earlier, initially it wasn't going to be a blog. It was just a Google Doc that I was writing uh, my story and I shared it to a friend who is now like my editor-in-chief of the blog. And she's like, you know, this is this is pretty good. You should make it more than just a private Google Doc that you're just sharing with me. So we, the biggest thing that we, we talked about at first was, okay, cool, but what do we call it? Because it was called The Cancer Chronicles was just the title of Google Doc, but that wasn't specific enough to me. Um, so I, I needed it. It needed to fit two things. It needed to show that it was going to be about testicular cancer. And it needed to show that it wasn't going to be a woe is me type blog. Uh, so that's how I came up with a ballsy sense of tumor. So it's a nice play on words. It shows that it's humorous. It's about balls. It's awesome. And so when I was writing up some of the initial posts to make it more public, I was like, well, I want to make this more than just here's what happened to Justin. Here's how he supported. So I started looking up different uh, facts and figures. And I found that just men systematically don't talk about their health like at all so that's why it's uh then became very very important to me to get the word out there because you know if i can talk about my health maybe that'll inspire either another guy to do a self-exam or talk about his health and that's that's what keeps me going is you know knowing i could be making sometimes especially with different social media algorithms changing what they promote so on and so forth it gets frustrating but then you know i hear uh, like the the research study I've been running, that's been hugely 
inspiring to see just the conversation. I mean, literally while I was at the gym today, I interviewed three different guys and all three of them, I taught them how to do a self-exam. I mean, I didn't like drop my pants in the middle of the gym um, <laughs> to show them how to do that. They've already asked me to stop doing that, but you know, that that's cool. You know, I'm in a, for all intents and purposes, a public place teaching guys how to fondle their balls in, uh, <laughs> in a health. I, I like the way, way you, I like the way you put it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Justin. That that's great that you've been able to take all of that experience that happened to you and put it into something that's really positive. What sort of feedback have you had so far? So really it's been overwhelmingly positive. I always take screenshots when I get a cool text or an email related to something, either somebody saying, you know, uh, I read your blog and I forwarded it on to my brother and he did a self-exam and he discovered that he had, there was a lump there and thank goodness I know you. Or I've really had very little pushback. Even when I'm going up to people, I'm like, hey, I'm a testicular cancer survivor. I want to ask you a couple questions. I've only had 10 people out of the I'm around 400 responses right now. About 10 people say straight up just say no, which is that's showing that we have, you know, with those 10 people, we have work to do. But it shows with the other 300 odd people, you know, they're willing and open to it. So uh, I've had overwhelmingly positive responses from it and i'm glad to see that it could totally I, you're not gonna get punched in the face go up and be like hey hey bro i want to talk <laughs> about your balls and <laughs> that could definitely not be taken well but people totally take it well yeah that, that's fantastic and i think um it's it's such a, a huge impact area that you know all it takes is really you know one person who for example uh, found a better way of dealing with it or maybe discovered that they had cancer and got it diagnosed early that that I mean it's just all it takes is but like one one case to make it worth your time, right? Right, exactly. I figure, you know, <laughs> the, the statistic is like one in every 250 guys are going to develop testicular cancer at some point in their life. And so I've talked, you know, between my blog and social media and in person, I've talked to like thousands of people. So, you know, you divide that out. How many people have detected it earlier just because of me writing about balls incessantly? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 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 absolutely, Justin. And you know, I noticed one thing that comes up for me is fear of cancer coming back. How do you deal with it? And what would you recommend to someone who's in the same boat? Yeah, so I, I deal with that very frequently. It's most notably around when I have, I'm on six month scans. And you know, the couple of days leading up to the scan and a couple of days between the scan and the appointment is is really rough. And then literally once the doctor tells me, you know, you're still in remission. Then I'm like, okay, cool. What's the next step? When's my next scan? <laughs> so what I deal with it is I, there's two things really. I schedule my scan and my appointment as close as humanly possible. So I don't have to wait. One time they wanted me to wait a month and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I was like, you either re <laughs> reschedule me or you have that doctor call me and just tell me remission or not. Which that could be like a less fun board game um, that you play. <laughs> um, okay, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's trademark now. Um, <laughs> and and then what I also do is I, I write because you know if I know the last scan I had about or I wrote one post about a scanxiety and how how big that gets around the scan. So rather than just thinking about it and smiling myself, I write it down. By writing it down, that's the advice I'd give to you or to other people in the same boat. 
recognize that you are going to be anxious. And that's fear of cancer coming back is something that's normal. Every cancer survivor is going to experience it to varying degrees and very frequently, but recognize it, get it out and try to move on. And, you know, whether it's getting out verbally speaking it, writing it down, drawing a picture, whatever it is to get it out, get it out. Don't try to bury it. Just recognize, face it head on be like, hey, cancer came back. It's not going to happen. Or if it does, I already beat it once, second time is the charm, or third times, or however many different recurrences. But, you know, just deal with it in a positive mindset as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. And I know that for me, cancer gave me like a completely different outlook on life, my my goals and, and uh, the things that I do every single day. Did you go through a similar experience? Absolutely. I mean, my my day-to-day, I teach at school from eight to four, stay an hour and grade papers and stuff and come home and work on lesson plans or whatever, go to sleep, start the whole process again. I had no work-life balance whatsoever. And I, now I teach till four and I'm at the gym at 4.05. So I totally made me take better care of my health because um, I kind of let myself go. I was like 2.15 after chemo, which for someone who's six feet tall isn't super heavy. But that's still a little heavier than you should be. And and then my my long term goals are about men's health now. It's while there are you know, I'm still very passionate about education, but there are literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of educational influencers and bloggers and social media thought leaders and whatever out there. But how many testicular cancer people, activists are there out there? And I feel like my voice and my time can be better given to that. And so that's my long term goal is you know, living in a world where every man can talk about falls in a job interview, probably not actually the best thing to do, but, you know, get a world. <laughs> Find a job you don't really want and go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's great, Justin. And if, if you had a friend who got diagnosed with cancer, what would you tell him or her? Um, I would say make it about more than yourself. Use your experience to educate others. It's 2018. You, we don't need to keep it in. You know, cancer survival rates are going up, but you can use your story to inspire other people to be to promote early detection and more awareness and and that's really how we're going to end up beating cancer whether or not we'll ever completely eradicate it with a you know catch-all cure i'm not sure i'm not a doctor but i think we can definitely work on early detection in the time being yeah that's that's fantastic justin i couldn't agree with you mother you have to make it about something that is bigger than yourself i think that's definitely what helped me and definitely something that sounds like what helped you as well absolutely Thanks for your time, Justin. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 